the number one thing we can all do you know, to, to tackle climate change is to reduce production and supply, to reduce consumption within a just transition for the value chain. We need to consider people, but actually we do need to address it. We need to talk about it. Hi, I'm Sebastian Volney, and this is The Sustainable Fashion Wingman, the podcast bringing you insightful conversations from the brands, experts, and innovators leading the way in responsible fashion. I know we've had a little bit of a break from the podcast, but we're back again, and I hope you're enjoying it. You can always go and check out previous episodes, and I hope you're looking forward to more episodes coming soon. And feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of the podcast. We get to talk to some great brands on the podcast who are renowned for their ethical and sustainable approach to fashion. Businesses that are proving to the industry that it is possible to balance profit with people and planet. We also, of course, like to hear from various careers in the industry because sustainability can be a part of everyone's role in a business. So today, we're pleased to talk to the product director of the sustainably renowned and B Corp certified outdoor brand Finisterre, Debbie Luffman. What does sustainability mean to the role of a product director? And why is Finisterre so well known as a leader in sustainable apparel? Well, let's find out. Hi, Debbie. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, very well. Lovely to be with you today. Good to see you too. Uh, it's great to have the opportunity to talk with you, not just about, obviously, the sustainable contributions of Finisterre, but also how you're heavily involved in sustainable development within and outside of the business. So to start things off, let's go from there. Can you give us a background into how you actually got into the fashion industry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was a pretty sort of creative um, sort of, you know, t- teenager. I was a bit of a tree hugger as well, actually. I didn't really know what I wanted to go into. Um, I really liked drawing and somehow I ended up going to university and studying fashion. I'm really not quite sure how that did happen, but I loved it. Um, I loved it because it was very much about exploring sort of moving 2D into 3D. So it was sort of exploring shape through pattern, creating textiles through knitting, going and seeing factories for the first time. And I just, it, it blew my mind. I absolutely loved every minute of it and sort of left university with a, with a goal to sort of really go out and somehow change the universe. Um, but sadly, I took the first job that I could get to pay off my student loan, had a very, very fun time in London. Um, and I worked in what is now called fast fashion for a couple of years. So sort of that was my, my sort of stumble into the fashion industry. That sounds very much like my background too, so I completely relate with you there. Um, When did you first feel, so obviously you worked in fast fashion and I kind of feel now that you said that, what the answer to this is going to be, but when did you first feel strongly about the environmental and social impacts of the industry that made you take a career in a more sustainable direction? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, if you just park that little fast fashion foray for a moment, as I say, I was always a real sort of tree hugger of a child. Um, I bought an acre of rainforest in Belize through through doing some sort of charity run or something when I was 11. I was a Greenpeace and WWF member. You know, I was I was a, a, a full on tree hugger. Um, and, and I was really interested in how things were made, as, as I said. And I sort of I did just park that for, for the fashion industry um, moment that I had. But obviously it was a huge wake up call to me. I was basically sat in an office at the time before emails. I was scanning pictures from magazines to factories and just saying, remake that. 
you know, it was that bad. It is as bad as, 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 as you know, sort of Devil Wears Prada. So um, in that respect, um, I was just like, what am I doing with my life? You know, I was having a lot of fun by night and by weekend, but actually sort of my, my conscience and my values were completely out of kilter with my career. So I promptly just stopped and went, I need to do something different. I went and learned a couple of different languages and I went traveling, which I think is always the right thing to do. Um, so I went traveling uh, around Brazil um, with a charity. It was sort of an art-based charity and taught circus skills in English. It was a bit sort of random and brilliant. Um, and then arrived on the other side in Peru um, and started randomly again working on an organic cotton farm. So I was sort of somehow went full circle to sort of understanding how things were made by, by hand, by nature, you know, just blew my mind once again in terms of the sort of actually being part of that textile process from the very beginning, working with craftspeople in knit cooperatives. And I just got very, very into it. Um, and at the same time, it's probably also worth mentioning that I was on one side, I was very keenly aware of this, you know, the, the extreme sort of unfair situation between rich and poor in Brazil and Peru. And the other thing, the tangible, seeing the plastic on the beaches, just, you know, you see images, but it's, it's not like that in the UK. You know, we are so spoiled. There are just literally the whole tidal, the shoreline is full of plastic. And I suppose all of it just, you know, I was very privileged to have that opportunity to travel. And it just, I suppose all of it was a sort of summation of where I'd been and, and where I wanted to go after um, after that sort of my jaunt. So yeah, lots of lots of different factors, I think, sort of played into to where I where I am now, where the universe universe took me. Well, that's incredible. That is quite that is quite a story. And obviously, like I kind of knew you were going to say being on the ground and seeing what was actually happening, especially like you said, in communities that we never usually get to see. Um, and a lot of people starting out in the industry don't get that chance. Like you've had to go and see, you know, the artisans working in, in developing countries that are producing these garments and products for us over in our world. So you've been with Finisterre well over 13 years, in fact. Uh, can you tell us what your role there as a product director involves? Now you've come from fashion to sustainability. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it's really evolved over the time. So 13 and a half years ago when I started, there were three of us. And, you know, so much of that initial kind of role was about just setting up a supply chain, finding partners um, from a material and from manufacturing point of view. That was sort of really the sort of the early days of, of, of the role. And it was super exciting. Um, very little around sort of, um, well, money um, in terms of sort of, you know, targets, salaries, all of that stuff kind of, you know, was a bit of an afterthought. We were very much about sort of, you know, innovation really led us. So it's how can we do things better how can how can we sort of rethink the industry um, so I'm really you know delighted to say that 13 and a half years later a huge amount of that still plays into my role however we we are you know we are a bit more of a grown-up business these days so a lot of what I do is really about sort of the the overview the umbrella of sort of process timing working backwards from a product or a launch date and saying okay what are the ingredients who are the team what you know? What do we need to do to deliver this? Who are the, who's the factory? Who are the, what's the textiles? So it's sort of I guess it's almost like the recipe, you know, and the method behind that sort of that that finished cake. Um, working backwards and working with with a fantastically talented and committed team, um, just to sort of I suppose 
steer and navigate them. They're all phenomenally much better at their, their jobs than, than I am, you know, in terms of the design team. I thought I could design, they're much better designers, you know, it, it, the, the buyers, they're incredibly, you know, they think like Excel spreadsheets. These people are much better at what they do than I am, but I think it's about sort of threading all of these people together, keeping them on track, giving them focus and direction. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a lot, a lot, of, a lot of fun. So you're like the fashion head chef. Yeah, that's a nice We're making a cake. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Now, we often talk about how sustainability is a way of doing things in business that everyone can take part in, whatever, whatever role you have in the business. Uh, and obviously, this is very noticeable in your role and it's become a huge part of it as well. Can you tell us how, as a product director, you incorporate sustainable and ethical practices within the company, within your role? Yeah, sure. I, I, I think a lot of it is just about sort of communication, actually. And it is about just saying, OK, what does good look like? So, you know, what's a good product? And I love the word good. I think it's so much better than sort of sustainable or ethical. It's just like good. Yeah. So it's like, what does good look like? And then communicating that in a way that is sort of visual and tangible for the team, for the value chain, for the business, for the community. So, you know, I think a huge amount of that is just be that clarity. So if we want a recycled material, what 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 are the minimum standards? So what's the certification? Show us this information, you know, so it's the clarity, the supply chain, value chain, know what it is that we we want and we require. We understand their needs and we're fair and there's a relationship there. So it's sort of simple words, I think, in terms of sort of good and relationship. It is about this sort of this this clarity. Um, and more than anything, I think it's about always questioning if it's good enough. So you know, an ethical supply chain or a sustainable product or material a decade ago is sort of laughable today, you know, because we've learned so much. We've learned so much from working in this industry, from the value chain, you know, from our customer feedback. So it's listening to the feedback and it's just continuing to question how can we make that better still? You know, I think that's probably a fundamental in terms of how we continue to push, whether it's sustainability, quality, you know, we, we really, really stand by at Finister that the most sustainable one is the one that you want to have, you know, f forever, you know, the, the durable product. So in order to do that, you've got to make it well. You've got to question every component. You've got to, you know, work really closely with the value chain so they understand, you know. So, yeah, a huge amount is about making relationships, communication and clarity. Yeah, I like that. I like the fact that it's... Uh... Good is a good word to use. Good is a good word, yes. Uh, because sustainable, sustainable is a word that we use quite a lot. Uh, maybe I should change the podcast name to the the good fashion wingman instead. Yeah, or, posi um, or positive. That's another word positive. I love. Positive fashion. Yes. I love positive fashion because fashion should be fun. Should be individual. Yeah. You know, it should be like you know, basically a sort of showing your values it's a second skin isn't it so it shouldn't be something where we all feel dreadful because we've made this purchase it should be positive fashion you know good fashion sorry Karen. i like that absolutely <laughs> no i like that you're, you're, you're right it's true and it is a fun thing the, the fashion is a fun thing for people and people enjoy it and that's why people buy gloves in the first place right? yeah exactly so, and just hearing you talking about sustainability within your uh, role brings us on to the point that you know it's not just 
Finisterre that you do sustainable work for. Um, you also provide a personal consultancy as well named Think Circular. So how did that come about and what does that involve? Yeah, absolutely. So I think during the course of working at Finisterre, I increasingly sort of loved the external relationships. So whether it's with the value chain or it's working with, with textile producers, farmers, uh, more recently uh, through our lived and loved uh, trade-in, resale, repair. And all of these things sort of started lots of different conversations outside of Finisterre's needs and Finisterre's agenda. You know, I wanted to just explore wool so much more and I could see the opportunities of how you trade-in and repair and recycle could offer um, advantages for fast fashion, you know. And I wanted to sort of take those sort of learnings and those challenges and experiences that we had had at Finisterre and take them to the rest of the industry. And I, I'll be honest, I was getting quite frustrated as well of hearing big sort of grandstanding and posturing from brands that were, so, were saying, you know, we're going to do this in five years and we're going to do this in 10 years. I was kind of sat there a little bit sort of starting to get a bit bitter and twisted, sat there thinking we did this 10 years ago. Can we stop, you know, making excuses, people? And I think, you know, the consumer and brands out there equally, there is there is a confusion. There's a huge amount of greenwashing. The media, even if it's well-intentioned, is often sort of running with stories which are just perpetuating the confusion. So I sort of saw it as my role as you know, to set up something with an outer agenda, um, which was Think Circular, as a, a change agency, an activist. I like to think of myself as a circular activist to say this can be done because we've done it. So here's some proof points. This is what we need to do. You over there, you need to come here. You over there, like, come in a room, convene, let's have a conversation, let's push forwards, let's stop talking. <laughs> yeah, it's great that you've been able to do that because uh, I think we talk about this quite a lot on the podcast and with other people that I that I interview, how um, previously the fashion industry is a quite closed off or can be quite a closed off kind of mentality, whereas circular or sustainable or positive fashion is quite a collaborative space. And the fact that you've been able to take yourself outside of one business and actually help and innovate and direct and guide other businesses as well is very much a part of where sustainability needs to go with the industry. And I like the fact that you've been able to do that and you've taken what you've learned from a company that's been doing it, like you said, quite a while and helping other companies realise that actually you should be on board with this or can be on board with this going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's the essence of what we need to do, actually, is this sort of pre-competitive thinking. You know, we're all trying to do the same thing. You're absolutely right. The fashion industry, you know, is forever going, we've invented this and we've done this. And actually, if you pick it, you know, unpick it, actually, it's probably the same as lots of other brands. And had we just come together and said, let's all do this, let's take that brand name off, then actually we would have advanced and, and pioneered a lot faster. We would have pushed forward a lot. You know, the, the, the speed of innovation needs to move faster and that will happen if we come together and just take the brand names off, right? So yeah, I think it's at the essence of good and circularity. Yeah, many hands make light work, as they say. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking about Finisterre and, and what they've been doing as well for quite a while. Uh, let's have a little bit of talk about them. So it's a very well-known brand on the positive fashion stage. What's obviously helped is, like you said, the brand has started off on the right foundations quite a while back. Can you give us a little bit of a background into how Finisterre started, you know, what they do and why doing fashion responsibly is so important to them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really interesting in terms of those those points. It, it 
wasn't trying, didn't set out to be a fashion business either. So I think that's probably part of its its success. It was very much born from um, from the sort of, I suppose, from a lack of what was there. So Tom Kay, who started the brand in 2003, he was pretty sort of underwhelmed at the, the disconnect between outdoor clothing and particularly sort of in in ocean user clothing and the product that was being put out there. So it was board shorts, it was flip-flops, you know, chance would be a fine thing in our British seas to be able to wear board shorts. And he was just sort of seeing that, you know, the products and the advertising and the brands that were out there were really not speaking to, to the practical user, nor to the values of somebody who liked being in the environment. You know, there was a real disconnect between the, the sort of the toxic nature of the industry and people who wanted to participate in, um, in, in nature. So he very much sort of started, well, he started with a fleece, actually, which was about, OK, how can we create a product which is what you want to put on when you get out of the sea, that it's super warm, durable, and is sustainably sourced, which at the time was was recycled, and it was about knowing who you worked with, um, going to the factory, starting a relationship, you know, everything that I, we still believe in today, but on the back of sort of one humble fleece. Um, and, you know, it was very much baked into our DNA at the time. This These three points of commitment were there from day one, which was is a commitment to product, environment, and people. And really, it was sort of before we'd heard of B Corp. You know, it was very much the idea of B Corp, where you can, you you have a purpose. You give people a purpose, and you give them a platform for passions. Yes, you create a product, and you create this sort of lighthouse for your your community to rally around, and so that it can have a relationship with the natural world. But you're trying to do that in harmony with the rest of the community, whether it's the employees or it's the people who make the product. So it's a sort of I suppose it's a an awareness um, of, of who you're working with, what you were doing and why, um, which was incredibly unique. You know, when I left Fast Fashion and joined Finisterre, there was there was nothing like this. The conversations we were having um, don't exist in your convention, conventional sort of fashion world. It was very much about evolving the product. How can we make it better how can we make it better than what's out there you know what's wasn't about sort of being competitive for the sake of it it was about what what is missing in this industry really so it was pretty it was pretty pioneering it was pretty probably quite innocent and sort of naive in in that respect but yeah those three commitments are still there we're still perched on a cliff edge in the site of an old tin mine as we always have been and I think you know all of those things and that connection to the sea um, are just vital for everybody that that, that works in, in the community at Finisterre. You can see that in, in the company, in the business, and especially, obviously, like you say, where you're based by the sea in that environment. Um, and I imagine everyone in the business has a very strong connection to the outdoor life down in, in Cornwall, which is where you're based. And it's good to see that. I know that you had, for example, C7 uh, campaign a few months ago, which was interesting to see. And I saw on the videos as well you know how everyone was getting really involved and you can see a real like i say a real connection with the outdoors what are the key kind of areas that finister focuses on to ensure that they're responsible in their social environmental impacts yeah sure so i mean sort of moving on from um i was saying those early days um that we you know it was very much about sort of finding partners like-minded people i guess it was okay this is what we want to do 
you're asking those questions, who are the right people to work with? And we still work in that way. So it's very much around sort of forming these relationships and learning from each other, visiting regularly. So from a sort of a social point of view and from a value chain point of view, that's vital. It's very unusual. My experience um, before in, in, in fast fashion was very much, you just keep jumping ship and going further away until you get, you know, the price that you need. This is very much this sort of evolution that I'm talking about with product is how we also work with our, our value chain. So we encourage feedback on both sides. How can we, we be better? You know, um, we sort of score each other in that respect so that we um, we sort of push this conciliar improvement. More recently, as we've grown and we've become a B Corp, um, we have we have definitely sort of taken on more of a sort of a robust sort of data sort of approach. We ha you have to, you know, it's not enough to say, hey, I know him, I've worked with him for 10 years. So we have now, you know, we do have much more transparent uh, systems in terms of our compliance certification. So, you know, we've done the due diligence there, but there's sort of no replacement for actually knowing who you're working with and talking to them all the time. And that's what the team are doing day, day to day. But, you know, this goes across everything. So, you know, from an animal welfare point of view, for example, with our huge passion for wool, it's making sure, you know, how are the animals treated in through the process of, of um of growing the wool and of, of the process of spinning and all of these things require transparency. Um, which means you just need to know. I mean, it's, if you ask again the fast fashion industry, most people they don't they don't know. They've bought something, you know, from a final supplier. They don't really know where it came from or what it's from. So we're really nosy. We interrogate the um, the value chain. We know the value chain, and this is this is how you make better product and better relationships and and, and respectful relationships. I would say as well. But you know, I don't. I'm not going to stand here and say that we're perfect. And and nobody likes me saying this, but any fashion company, any product, any material is is not what the environment needs. Hey, we it's energy intensive. It's taking from the natural world. So I, I don't, I definitely don't sort of put Finisterre on. We're not on the good yet. We're, we're on the journey from from less bad. Nobody likes me saying this. Somebody will fall off their perch. But it's just a fact. We need, you know, we do need to all wake up to it. So if you're in this industry. Just, you know, just take take a reality check, the awareness of we can always be better. We need to move from less bad to good. So that's that, that spirit, I think, is always there um, to continue to learn and to grow and, and collaborate in order to get closer to good. <laughs> yeah, I think pretending that you're there is, is worse than actually just admitting that you're not quite there, totally. um, which unfortunately does happen as well. Yeah. I think it's just more important, the awareness of what needs to be done and then getting on that journey as that's that's good in itself yeah, exactly. you know, so i think that's really important um i was actually really impressed to learn not so long ago about uh, finister's development of an alternative to neoprene for their wetsuits because i know it's called ulex pure a natural rubber yeah. it's such a huge innovation and I, and I think like you were saying before because because the business is focused on doing good you know, they come up with these innovations, whereas if a company is based on just profit, there's there's less pioneering innovations going on. Uh, but wetsuits are one of those products that, you know, it requires a specific set of properties that's typically only found in rubber. So how long did it take to actually develop something like Ulex and how does it replace regular neoprene? 
Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's a really horrible um, kind of reality, actually. If you're a surfer or, or, you know, a cold water swimmer, you have this engagement with the ocean. At some point when you realise just how disgustingly toxic um, a wetsuit is, it's a really, you know, it is a bit of a, a horrible awakening, but it, it is. And, and they don't, you can't last forever as well. That's another thing. They, just by the very nature of how much they have to go through, they do sort of, you know, they do sort of um, degrade in time. So we had a real, I mean, God, I think we started doing our wetsuit um, program back in 2009, something like that. You know, a very, very long time ago. We said, let's look at wetsuits, shall we? They've got to be better. There's got to be something better than a wetsuit. So we sort of looked, first of all, at why they're bad. So, you know, neoprene is, so it's petroleum-based, so it's from a finite fossil fuel, completely unrenewable. The process of actually creating neoprene is, is sort of, uh, to create that warmth is about sort of blowing bubbles effectively into the material. It's a hugely toxic process. Um, the limestone, again, it's mined, it's finite, it's fossil fuel, it's not, you know, it's not a re renewable material. But anyone that goes into the sea in a wetsuit is very grateful to do so in this country because it keeps you warm, it gives you stretch, you, you, you know, you can stay in the sea for hours. So this sort of awareness of we need to we need a wetsuit. There's a, there's a very much a need in this. Um, currently, um, there is a need for this product. How can we make it better? Um, and so really, it took a long time, which a lot of the, the great innovations at Finisterre have taken years and years. And this is one of the longest ones. So we were looking at, OK, what are the alternatives out there? So we came across um, Ulex, uh, a trade show, you know, just a tiny little sort of scrap of, of fabric. And it looks and feels like a conventional, you know, wetsuit neoprene material. But what's amazing about Ulex is that it's a natural rubber. So it's from a renewable, um, well-managed FSC certified um, managed rubber plantation. So it's renewable, it will grow back. Um, it uses significantly less water and energy through its process. And, you know, there's, there's a lot in terms of that, trajectory of, of, of you know, bad to good, it's definitely on that road. For us, the, um, the big challenge that we, we set ourselves, that we are still on um, the journey, is how can we then turn that wetsuit back into other wetsuits? And this is, um, we've been working on this now for, I think, six years. It's, we're getting closer, actually, to a commercial realised product of wetsuit to wetsuits. The problem really is the glues, actually. The, the glues are one of the hardest things at the moment. It's the same with laminates in waterproof fabrics as well. But, hey, we're going to get there. This industry is moving really, really fast. So, yeah, it's a great example of, of, of something taking it horribly toxic material and actually you know, taking that inspiration um, from nature to move, move it forwards. And, yeah, there's no need for neoprene anymore. We need to stop using it, everyone. <laughs> That's fascinating. It's a very, very interesting innovation, I have to say. And also you mentioned there as well about how you're looking at the end of life of the product too, because obviously circularity is an important part of your design, of the company's design process, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Finisterre, like you mentioned, it is a challenge, absolutely. And you mentioned there that Finisterre is also one of the few apparel businesses actually in the UK that has achieved B Corp status. Uh, for anyone listening, you can learn more about what B Corp means in one of the previous episodes on this podcast that we did back in season one. But Debbie, what does it mean for Finisterre to be a certified B Corp? Yeah, so um, I mean, I think first and foremost, it's, it's 
really about just pointing out that it's hard, that it's a really hard thing to achieve B Corp status. So I think I suppose it's that feeling of, you know, passing your exams, you know, it's like, yeah, we did it. And that's a really great thing. The standards are really, really high. Yeah. So it's, I think the easiest way that I sort of explain B Corp is instead of when you buy, you know, if you go into the supermarket and you want to buy coffee, it's got a fair trade sticker on it. You're like, okay, I'll buy that because they've probably paid the workers, um, you know, the the farm a decent wage. Or you might buy a jacket with a swing tag that says this is a better performance. When it comes to B Corp, this is about saying we've really looked sort of 360 holistically at business and said, is it any good? Yeah, how do they treat the supply chain? How do they treat the employees? How do they treat the the community outside of that business? So you might get a fair trade coffee, but actually, you know, the the, the packaging um, is is highly toxic. They haven't thought about end of life. They might have paid the farmers a decent wage, but actually, the people that work for that company in a miserable headquarters somewhere off the motorway might hate their jobs and have absolutely no respect from you know the the. Um, the shareholders. So really B Corp is about looking at 360 under the bonnet of a business and saying, who are you? Are you any good? And it really, I think for us, the other thing is that it's it's community. So it we're based in this little little um, tiny spot in Cornwall, but actually we're trying to do some pretty pioneering things. So what B Corp offers us is community. It gives us the opportunity to to share across different industries. So it might be packaging, you know, what we could learn from from a a pharmaceutical business that's a B Corp, for example. Share and cross-pollinate ideas, learn from each other. So yeah, B Corp, I think the two things I would say is it's community and it's about keeping standards always just outside of reach so you're always not quite doing enough and that's that's where you know that's where we need to be no business is doing enough at the moment so it's a it gives you direction as a 360 approach and it does look at every area and i think before speaking to a b corp leader before uh, they were talking about how you know it helps a business to actually have direction and like you say, it is keeping things slightly out of reach because it's not just, oh, we've made it, now we're okay. It's actually, what can we do to be better, essentially, which is which is great. And I know that's what Finisterra is doing and obviously why they deserve the B Corp certification. Uh, do you feel it's made a positive impact on the success of the business? Yeah, no question. You know, I think it's... I think it really keeps everybody on their toes. It's always there in terms of, I suppose, it's a bit of a band that, you know, is this what a B Corp should do? So it, it always sort of keeps you questioning whether it's the right approach. Um, you know, so you're all, I think across the business, it sort of gives this very high set of standards. So again, always sort of pushing forwards. Um, yeah, it sets the bar high. Um, and, you know, you can't sort of let rest on your laurels. It has this constantly sort of moving forwards. Um, yeah, you're never doing enough. And I think that really does permeate through the business. And it's something that everybody's very proud of, actually. I think we were really proud to achieve and maintain. Um, and maintain is an important word um, because you can't become a B Corp and then that's it. So you don't just like, you don't just certify and go, woo, we're there. And then let's, let's go and do some, some dodgy stuff in the business now because no one cares. You have to recertify every three years, which is pretty much just a rolling process because the amount of work that goes into recertifying. So you're never not recertifying. And I think this is, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a, a 
I think a source of pride for the business when we recertify, we've just recertified with with 10 points bigger than the first time, which is a real mammoth task. So yeah, and it's a also it's a very group, you know, it's a shared victory, I suppose, for the want of a better word. You know, it's, it doesn't reside on one person. It's not going to be because of textiles or the value chain or the community. It's a group effort. So it's a sort of group win in that respect. That's great. And it's good to hear that you got an extra 10, 10 extra points that, uh, from previously, because obviously their, their standards are obviously getting more stringent too. So that's quite an achievement in itself. Uh, well, it's been great to hear about Finister. I'm going to ask you one last bonus question to end the episode on. Uh, it might be a bit of a long, a long answer, but that's absolutely fine. But you've just had COP26 conference where the world leaders gathered in Glasgow to discuss obviously the challenges and actions required to tackle climate change. What would you say, uh, from your perspective, is the main takeaway for the fashion industry to address climate change? Yeah, so I think before I answer that, that question, which I will, um, I think, I suppose I've been reflecting on the last week. I, I, I wasn't invited to COP. Invitation obviously got lost in the post. But, <laughs> oh, no. um, <laughs> but I had obviously the privilege of you know, watching but... it virtually, you know. And actually it's great because you can really sort of get a sense at the end of the day. I go for a run and I stick it in this podcast and go for a run and I try to sort of come up for air of what, what what's what's being achieved, where are we going with this? And I think, you know... I suppose on one side of it, I think I have um, a frustration that there is just too much hot air, there's too much conversation and not enough action. Um, so yeah, there's a sort of, it's tinged with a little bit of um, frustration, I suppose. But in, in, in itself, that's also giving me, um, I, I suppose it's sort of sparing me on for, for what I think is the answer, which is we just need to get on with it. You know, I think um, the biggest thing for me is, is, is that urgency. So, you know, the, the reports, the one, the one to achieve that 1.5, it's slipping away that opportunity and we can't just have another COP where we're all just sat around talking about what initiatives one brand is doing or one supplier is doing to achieve that. The, I think the word for me is collaboration and it's overused, but I think it is the word here. It's about how do we come together? There is one goal. It is saving the planet. You know, it, it is literally putting off our extinction. You know, if ever we wanted a goal a shared goal to be clearer, this surely is it. It's as if an asteroid is about to hit the planet. So how do we mobilize as an industry, as a community, as a global you know, community to, to, you know, to move forwards here? And the fashion industry has got a lot of work to do. We know what we need to do. That's the thing that kind of blows my mind. We, it's not sort of, we're not looking for the answers. We do know what we need to do. We need to crack on with it. We need to crack on with it now with bravery, with optimism, with collaboration, with the pre-competitive thinking that I was talking about before, getting the brand's names off and just getting on with it, taking the value chain with you. That would be another thing I didn't hear enough of at COP. I didn't hear enough about farming. I didn't hear enough about manufacturing and transportation. You know, we're all in this together. It's a massive ecosystem. So I think for me, that sort of collaboration, making sure you've got the right people at the table to make these changes together. Um, and lastly, the thing that I didn't hear within fashion, which is an absolute elephant in the room, is consumption. 
So it, the real thing that the fashion industry has to address, Finisterre included, all of us in this industry, have to wake up and realise that the number one thing we can all do to move the, you know, to, to tackle climate change is to reduce production and supply, to reduce consumption within a just transition for the value chain. We need to consider people. But actually, we do need to address it. We need to talk about it. There's so little talk at COP around consumption um, so yeah, for me, that's uh, maybe it's a bit of a frustration, I suppose. But it, the the um, it was a deafening silence um, on consumption for me, and that would be my sort of action point. Let's get on and talk about consumption now. Sorry, you're long right. answer. You did see that one coming. I did see that one coming, <laughs> in it? and it was a good answer. And you're right as well. It's what we need to look at is is more action. Not all the talking, but actually a lot more action and a more awareness around. And especially, like you said, those two areas, the value chain and consumption, massive contributors to carbon emissions. Uh, so definitely areas that more action needs to be taken on. Well, hopefully we'll get someone to come on the podcast to have a full episode about COP26 at some point, which um, would be quite informative. Debbie, it's been absolutely fantastic to talk with you today and providing a wealth of knowledge for our listeners. It's always fascinating to learn how you know the different careers in the industry can contribute towards more positive goals in a, in a business. If people wanted to get in touch with you about Think Circular, for example, what would be the best way to do that? Please do get in touch with me. Um, it's debbie at thinkcircular.co.uk or just hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm always on there. So yeah, please get in touch. Love to connect. Brilliant. That's great. And we'll put the link of those in the episode description, along with obviously a direct link to Finister's site where people can learn more about their sustainable and ethical activities. Well, thank you very much, everyone who's been listening. We'll be back soon with more episodes. This has been the Sustainable Fashion Wingman podcast. And of course, I'm Sebastian, helping you dress, live and work more sustainably. Mm-hmm.